You're listening to the Get Out and Drive podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Jason Old Car Guy Car. We'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Get those cars on the road October 2nd, 2022 to celebrate National Get Out and Drive Day. Visit nationalgetoutanddriveday.com for more info. We're already gearing up for National Get Out and Drive Day this October 2nd, 2022. So John, every day we have more people signing up that they want to be a part of this National Get Out and Drive Day on social media. And Mark Davis is our most recent fellow who is part of the Cozy Cruisers from Mississippi, who is going to be taking part in National Get Out and Drive Day 2022. Yeah, he told us he's going to get his uh, little boy and wife piled in the F-100 and just ride till they can't afford it anymore. How long, how far can they possibly go? I'm thinking if they wanted to go someplace expensive, the gas station seems a pretty good place these days. Yes, the gas station. And honey, I'll even pump it for you. Wow. So, John, I've got another hot topic, and I think this is something that is going to raise a few eyebrows. It's going to get a few people talking, and I think the opportunity for our Lister hotline to gain some traction is going to happen with this episode. No warning. Like, smack me in the head. You know, when you, when you say I'm going to do it on three, just go on like one and a half. Ready, set, go. Go. Rip off that band-aid. Guys, today we are talking about flat rate shop repair. Oh my, that's like a minefield of, of terribleness. So bear with me. The reason why I want to bring this up is because there are pros and cons for flat rate shop repair. And I want to make myself 100% clear right now. I am absolutely, positively, 100% against flat rate shop repair. Against, so you don't, so you don't want it at all. You don't like it. I don't like it, uh, and I'll tell you. We'll get to it. We'll get to why. But for those of you who are listening who don't know or don't understand what shop flat rate shop repair is, that is a predetermined set amount of time that it takes to repair your car based on the job is generally what you would get charged. And I'll give you an example. John brings his. Uh, 89 Jeep yes. Cherokee. Brand new 89 Jeep. Yes. Into the shop. And it needs a outer tie rod. So John goes in, talks to the service manager. Service manager says, okay, what year make a model of vehicle you have? John tells him. And he says, I've got a shake in the wheel. We'll bring it in. We'll check it out. So they go in, they determine it's an outer tie rod end. And they say, well, an outer tie rod end books for 0.6. What's your labor rate? Our labor rate is $110 an hour. Okay. okay. So you're going to tell me that at $110 an hour, 0.6 is going to equal X number of dollars. I don't know the math. I'm not very good at it, but something tells me it's probably around 60 something dollars. So they take the Jeep, they go in, <clears throat> and in 15 minutes, the Jeep's sitting back out in the parking lot. Service manager is coming up to John and say, John, your Jeep is ready. Your bill, is a hundred and whatever dollars. You get the bill and you're looking at that and you say, well, geez, it only took him 15 minutes. You told me your shop rate was 110. And he says, yep, we're a flat rate shop here. 
So what just happened was John paid for a job based on the average amount of time it takes to change that on that particular vehicle. How is that fair to John? Because it only took the guy 15 minutes. The argument is it took that mechanic 15 years of experience to be able to do that job in 15 minutes, but yet you still have to pay the flat rate, which average mechanics across the country take to do that job. John, what say you? Oh my goodness. I know mechanical labor rates. When I was working in a dealership in the 90s and I was working flat rate, I can only attest to what was going on in the paint and body shop. And I remember flat rate came in, it would come in on a job and it would say you had an hour and a half to paint this fender. And we would have three or four cars lined up and you could paint three or four cars in that hour and a half, you know, cutting corners and short baking things and, and having someone else prep these things and helpers and all these things kind of attest to that, that short time. And it was amazing to me how the body men were making 80 and 100 plus hours in a 40-hour work week, cutting corners and, and, and doing things flat rate, and the mechanics were getting taken to school because the mechanics could not nowhere keep up with the body men that would get six or 10 hours to pull a frame rail and they knew how to do it and they'd walk up to the thing and just go bink and hit it with a hammer and pull on it and they'd make six hours in, in, in an hour and a half and then you'd move on to another job. Sometimes flat rate works, sometimes it does not. Flat rate will kind of sort of work on a car that's one to three years old. Attribute rust, just stuck parts, inaccessibility of things. Just putting a throttle positioning sensor on a car is going to take you an immense amount of time because is it easier to stick your tiny hand through there and put a throttle positioning sensor on the car? Or is it easier to undo the cradle and drop like the book tells you you're supposed to? And when you undo the cradle bolts, they're all rusty because they're 5, 10, 20 years old and they fall apart. And now you're into cradle bushings, you're into all sorts of things, and you pull a string in a sweater, and this six-hour job has turned into a 20-hour nightmare, and the customer wonders why their car is taking so long, and they think you're a crook because you're asking for more money. Do you think that falls into what you're talking about? I understand exactly where you're coming from, uh, because obviously, you know, we live in the rust belt, and when we're doing repairs on vehicles, even vehicles that are, you know, two, three, four years old, you're running into rust issues. So just because the book says it might take, you know, a half an hour to do a job, uh, you could be a half an hour just getting one bolt out of that job because of rust. Maybe it broke, maybe it seized, who knows? There are times where flat rate works and flat rate doesn't. Where I don't think flat rate works is when you do run into that rust, all of a sudden the technician is asked to punch off the job and then punch back on it because now we're not flat rate anymore. We're by the hour. Right when flat rate doesn't work in the job in the in the jobber's favor, they stop it, and that's where I find in in some cases too that you've either got to be flat rate or not. If you're going to charge 0.6 on a job to do something that takes you 15 minutes, well, that extra time that you've made money on needs to make up for at some point in time the job that took you twice as long because of rust or because of a part or whatever. We've always been at my business. We've always been a straight time. Our shop rate in our small town here where we are $65 an hour. 
So a customer comes in to do a job. If it takes a little bit longer, it's straight time. We punched in. You're gonna, he's going to work on it for two and a half hours, whether the book said it took an hour to do it or not. And sometimes it's our experience that allows us to do it quicker. Sometimes it's rust that doesn't. There's no reason why the mechanic has to pay for something that's out of his control, like rust, a broken bolt. And that's true. And I, like I said, I think flat rate works and the book is written on a brand new vehicle because I can read flat rate times and another shop that I worked at tried to use them for restoration and that crashed and burned like a mad dog tried to use mid 70s era flat rate books to repair mid-year which is 63 to 67 corvettes and then the disco corvettes to 68 to 82 and i worked at that shop and they said oh well this right front fender section from from the body line down it should take you you know this three hours to put in this skin and that's not true because now those cars have become collector's items and they're no longer generic collision jobs that you whip through and get done as transportation. You have to restore this car in a manner that you feel that's going to exceed the customer's expectations. And it's going to be an extremely professional job and the customer's going to have to have it perfect. The flat rate book doesn't apply anymore to auto restoration. It just doesn't do that at all. You can use the book as a mainly as a reference guide, but in auto restoration and paint work and things, flat rate doesn't work unless you're in a dealership that has a one to three or five year old cars that you're working on. Now, late model cars with broken clips and tiny pieces and re-engineered crap that all these engineers have engineered that the bumper snaps on with, with two screws and, and a whole bunch of clips and you breathe on it and all these clips are broken and they're not available anymore. That type of thing, just take it. That part takes the, the book time and throws it out the window because again, when it was new flat rate book time worked, but now these Hondas that have evolved since the mid to late nineties with tiny clips and push pins and all this stuff, you can't just go to the dealer and buy that stuff anymore. There's things that are five years old that you can't get parts for and they're obsolete. There's no way to apply book time to that anymore. So I guess in a nutshell, like I said before, book time flat rate applies to a car that is current model year up to five years old. End of story for me. That is in collision repair. That is in mechanical repair. And I would be inclined to agree with that to, to that degree uh, because there does come a point in time where uh, the unexpected things like broken clips in collision repair. And I'm sure you can attest to this is a lot of these clips are made to be a one-time use. Ease they of assembly, in. ease yep. of assembly, not ease of repair, ease That's of right. assembly. It goes together quick. It snaps together. It's not meant to come off. That's why they're engineered the way they are. Can they come off and be not broken? Maybe, but you got to be able to get to it. Well, you're not going to be able to get to a piece of body clad molding on the outside of a door or fender. It just doesn't happen. No. Remember the Pontiac Aztec that came out in 2000? Oh, yeah. They had all that body cladding. Oh, yeah. The only way you were getting any of that off was to rip it. Right. That and an avalanche. Right. You're, you're, yep, exactly. Same thing. And today, like you go and you look at what years were they? 07 to 14 Chevy Malibus. Right. Go take it into your local garage and ask them to change a headlight for you. <laughs> and you know what they're going to do? 
they're going to laugh at you and say, book an appointment because you're going to be here for an hour. Well, you got to take the whole cap off the front. You got to take the whole bumper cover off the front just to yes. change a headlight bulb because A, the engineers thought it was going to be cool to not allow a three-year-old child's hand to slip down in behind that headlight and change a light bulb. They felt, no, we're going to take the bumper off because we've made our headlights so good and the bulbs so good that they're not going to blow out for 10 years. Okay, fine. But what happens to that poor guy like me, who's buying that car when it's 10 years old, who's got to put that car, who's got to put that headlight bulb in, right? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's today is today. And 10 years from now, it's 10 years from now. And who cares? Yeah. And we moved on. You call up a garage and you say, how much is it going to cost for a headlight bulb? And a smart service advisor is going to say, well, what kind of vehicle is it now? What kind of vehicle is it, sir? But the inexperienced service advisor is going to say, oh, you buy the bulb and we'll just slap it in for you. Takes two minutes. It's just like free wiper blade installation at the local auto parts store, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Just slap, just slap it in there. Until that wiper arm slips out of your fingers and snaps against the windshield and cracks it. Right. right? Anyways, yeah. back to flat rate. The idea <laughs> behind, <laughs> that's a tangent. That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> it is a rabbit hole. The idea behind flat rate, in my opinion, is, is it makes, it, it has the potential to make honest shops dishonest. I say that tongue in cheek. They could double bill. They could double bill. But there's shops out there who are making a ton of money and they're doing it on the backs of flat rate. And I think that the idea is, is that if you can be fair with a customer to say, okay, you know, we know what the book times are. We've been in the business long enough. We know what book times are on 90% of general repair. So a customer comes in, they want a quick quote. You say, well, it books for about an hour and a half. As long as everything comes apart, we can probably do it in an hour and a half. But because your car is seven years old, we do have rust to contend with. If we have broken bolts or we got to get in there, it's going to be more. What do you charge an hour? We charge $65 an hour. There's some jobs that customers come in and they ask us, how much is it going to cost? And we say, $65 an hour. Yes. Well, how long is it going to take? I don't take know. $65 an hour. I have no idea. Correct. So at the end of the day, is flat rate beneficial to the average automotive repair shop? Apply, and I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. Apply that same logic to a restaurant. Does it work? Do you as a customer want to go into a shop and give them carte blanche to work on your car and you don't know what the outcome is going to be? I would like to know, generally, how much my hamburger is going to cost before the cook makes it at the restaurant. I don't want to get a $175 hamburger because he took three breaks and had to grind the meat himself and doesn't know how to make a hamburger. I would rather know that that hamburger costs $5.95 and I'll pay for it and it's on the menu and they're going to make up their difference in money in volume. Does that apply? Does that logic apply to a restaurant? Also, I I saw the greatest thing ever. It said, I went to a restaurant and I looked on the menu and I saw that this hamburger cost $5.95. The first thing I asked the waiter is, are your prices negotiable? And he said, well, I don't think so. 
And then I pushed him out of the way and I went back and I asked the cook if his prices were negotiable. And then I told him that it should be cheaper because I brought my own hamburger and I brought my own pan and I'm going to stand here and watch him work and watch him do it. That kind of logic, it seems crazy when you're doing it at a restaurant, but customers mm -hmm. want to do it all day long at a mechanical shop. They want to do it all day long at a body shop. There's a reason why there is no windows in a surgery room to get surgery. It's because those people are trained and you need to trust them. Same with mechanics, same with body men. There's going to be bad apples everywhere, but understand that most of the time you go to a shop and cumul you know, collectively, if they have three, four, five employees, they have a hundred years of experience in that shop and you should trust them and you should treat them as, as trustworthy people. It's difficult for me to look at a customer and say, I don't know how long this is going to take. And as a customer myself, I find it terrifying if I were to take my own vehicle to a shop and I would not know what it costs. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same boat with you. You know, I, I always like to get a quote. I always like to know uh, the advent of the internet today. Uh, when it comes to uh, certain things, uh, helps a lot of consumers with making decisions on where they're going to go. Sometimes they can look up things like your shop rate. Sometimes they can look up things like what certain jobs uh, are going to cost long before they even make the phone call to book the appointment. At the end of the day, you're right. You have to have faith that the shop that you're taking it to is going to treat you right. We have a lot of loyal customers in our business, whether it be on the used car sales and or the mechanics side. And they trust us 100% to do whatever needs to be done. And we don't take advantage of that because we would lose that customer. And at the end of the day, when they come in and they ask, well, how much is it going to take? And we will tell them, we don't know. Usually it's this much. We'll do our very best. Use your right. And if you don't and can't build that relationship with your customer, they're not going to come back. But at the same token, those customers have to have a little bit of faith walking into your shop that no matter whether you're flat rate or whether you're straight time, that you know what you're doing and you know how to fix their car properly. And that when they walk away, they're happy and satisfied with the price you gave them and or the repair that you did and they'll be back that's that's true and and the customer have to, has to understand that they are putting their own and their family's safety in your hands mm -hmm. by buying quality parts installing them correctly just being forthright and saying hey keeping the customer informed is a huge deal as soon as you break the bolt on joe customer's car don't hide it and whip it together and, and, and try and do your best to finish the job. If you call the customer and explain to them, hey, this broke on your car and this is why, from age or from whatever, I think that's very important with customer relations. Yeah, and I think moving forward, um, if you're listening to this podcast, either on your phone, in your car, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, just know that what John and I are talking about today in this episode uh, comes with years of experience. Uh, we've seen a lot. We've dealt with a lot of customers. We've been there. We've done that. And I think I even have a t-shirt literally that says 
I've been there and done that. So been there, done that, sure, worked on your car. <laughs> exactly. So don't think for a second that we don't understand your concerns when you come into our shop because we do. Uh, but I also understand that when you pay the price you pay, there are other places in town that might be able to do it a little bit cheaper. There might be places in town that will charge you more. But regardless, you have to find what fits for you. You have to find the garage that's willing to work with you and build a relationship with them. Do your best to work with each garage. Uh, don't be garage hopping. Don't be hitting everybody in town and pissing them off everywhere you go. Work with one, build the relationship. You won't be disappointed. You know, Jason, we sure get to talk a lot. Yes, and some of us more than others. Who, me? I'm not pointing any fingers. Yes, you are. But we want to hear from our listeners. Just go to our website, getoutanddrive.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the listener hotline button. We want to hear from you. Cool stories, breakdown stories. Questions, comments. Hate mail. Even hate mail? Even hate mail. You get a car show in your area? Let us know. Tell us an interesting story. Let us know what you like to get out and drive. Jason, you like cruising around the internet, just uh, searching for projects that you don't need. You do that? I do. It's probably my second job. It is your second job. I know I get smacked all the time because I've got plenty of projects and uh, I, I, I secretly still look for things other than the things that are in my driveway. What's wrong with us? I don't know. It's definitely a sickness, but, uh, you know, one of my favorite places to visit is racingjump.com. I go there a lot. I probably shouldn't, but I go there a lot. It's it's like uh, a little little secret hideout. I get really good deals there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I'm saying this on the podcast. I'm going to let out the secret, but I'm, I'm getting much better deals there than I am on uh, a lot of other websites. Yeah, and not only can you buy and get good deals, but you can also sell your own junk and put money right in your pocket. Yeah, that's right. They don't charge any transaction fees. Just 100% of what I make through my ad, I keep. Absolutely. So if your wife is at you to clean out your garage for spring, you can post all your junk on racingjunk.com. Wow. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stop talking now. I'm gonna head out to the garage, and uh, I'll, I'll probably be back in a little bit. But I'm gonna head out and clean up some stuff. I know I've got a ton of stuff to sell. Start making money today. Get out in racingjunk.com. Sell your stuff. Get money. Stick it in your pocket. Speed over to our friends at racingjunk.com and sign up for a pro club membership. Use the code GETOUT to receive a discount when you sign up for a Pro Club membership. Cruise on over to our website, getoutanddrive.com, for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. Hit us up on our listener hotline, be the first to know what's happening, get industry news, and grab your Get Out and Drive merch. Connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you?